Second Peter, beginning in verse 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to His promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved... Since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. As we continue to study about the soon coming day of the Lord, that day when God will call the days of our humanity on this earth to a close, and as we consider such things as verse 10 here, The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. As we consider those words, may we first and always keep our eyes and our thoughts on the author and the keeper of all these mysteries that we're studying about. That author and that keeper of those mysteries is the Lord Jesus. He is the one that this story, this whole story is all about. And I want to remind us of that often because too often in times of impending peril, and that would be so as we would consider that the end days may be coming upon us. In those times of impending peril, our hearts and our minds get so self-absorbed. We believe that everything is about us, but it's not. But here in Romans 11, verse 36, Jesus corrects all that for us. He says, For from Him, that is the Lord Jesus, from Him and for Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. All that's taking place has to do with the Lord Jesus. And this book and our existence on this earth are ever and always all about Him. All about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's all about a plan. All about a plan that He put into place eons ago to bring glory to Himself. A plan that, yes, does include all of us in His creation. The sons of men. And all of the other created things all around us in this visible realm... It also includes all of those other creatures that are among us. Creatures that we are not able to see. They live in this unseen, invisible realm. The angels and the demons. But again, though all of us will be affected by what He's going to do next, the whole purpose of who He is, what this plan involves, is to bring glory to Him, God. And this Bible is our revelation of that great plan. And as you and I dare to read and to believe 
the words of this book, we find that God really has revealed most everything that we should know about as these end days draw near. Now for those of us who read and believe these words, we're able to see that, yes, contrary to the inventive stories of man, and some of those coming out from pulpits these days, those inventive stories that they come up with, contrary to those, this world, the heavens and the earth and the inhabitants of the earth, clearly had a very distinct beginning. These words also tell us, though, that with a certainty, that after a God-ordained number of days, there will be a clear and distinct end to it all. And that's what this message is all about today. These words reveal to us that this end that we're talking about probably is coming a lot sooner, a lot sooner than most people think. But unfortunately, as I mentioned a moment ago, our minds resist those thoughts. We seem to not want to listen to, or if we're reading, we seem to want to read just right on past warnings about any difficult thing that is soon coming. I thought as I was considering this, how the disciples seemed to always not want to hear when the Lord Jesus would say to them, we're going to Jerusalem now and I'm going to die. Our minds don't want to accept these impending pearls. But Jesus wanted them then and wants us today to not read on past, to not close our ears. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24 regarding this soon coming end. He said in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 37, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be, he tells us, listen, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Isn't that taking place right now? We're eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and just acting as if there will never be an end. He says here, So will be the coming of the Son of Man. The next verse. Then, on that day, two men will be in a field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Clear warnings. Clear warnings. In those words, Jesus is speaking about the rapture. The rapture is sure to take place. Let me read these words again for us. I've read them each Sunday now for the past two or three Sundays. 1 Thessalonians 4. The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. That's the rapture. And in the moment that that rapture takes place, that's what we just read a moment ago. Matthew twenty-four forty. When that rapture takes place, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. 
Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And oh my, there will be such a surprise and anxiety and great fear. We've just finished reading just a few verses earlier about scoffers and mockers. There are those people inside and outside our churches that are saying, Oh, we've been looking for His coming for 2,000 years. It's not going to happen now. There's going to be such a surprise at the end of the age. And by the way, sadly, too often, even many of us who count ourselves as devout believers, we have also scoffed, at least in our thoughts. We say, no, it's not now. We believers will be surprised. But fortunately, we will be surprised from up there. Because we will have been raptured away with the Lord Jesus. But it will surprise us. And it should not. It should not. He says that we should always be alert and hasten the day of His coming. He does not want you and me to be surprised at His coming. He wants you and me who believe to be ever alert. Looking forward with anticipation to His coming. May I pause and say again, for those of us who will be caught away to be with the Lord Jesus in heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Imagine that for a moment. Imagine that for a moment. If the rapture took place right this moment and we were taken off of this earth, we would suddenly be together with Christ, with each other, in the most pleasant place that we could ever imagine, in paradise. And God gave us that word paradise intentionally. He wanted to excite our imagination about heaven. The glory and the perfectly pleasant conditions that we will suddenly be in. No more suffering. No more anxieties. No more fears. No more turmoil or uncertainty, just peace and happiness. We'll not be concerned about what's taking place with our loved ones. We'll not be concerned about what our new president is going to do. We will not be concerned about what ISIS might do or Al-Qaeda or any of those other things that worry you and me. Also, and this is delightful, when we get there, the moment we get there, we'll see our loved ones that have gone on before us. Who are the ones that you most cherished that have gone on before you? There is going to be such a sweet reunion as we reunite with them. They're going to be there to welcome us. What a delightful thought that is. But a lot takes place in between now and then. So let's study about that in our scriptures. Now over the past few weeks we've talked about the events that will lead up to that moment when we're suddenly caught away to be with the Lord in the heavens. And as we studied last week, there are a lot of circumstances and and events that will take place leading right up to that moment. Now, some of those circumstances and events have been coming into focus over literally thousands of years. We can read about them in the Old Testament. And they're not events and circumstances that are just taking place here in this visible realm where we are. 
there's also a lot that's taking place in that invisible realm. That realm where angels and demons roam to and fro and interact with what's taking place here in our visible realm. Taking an active part, by the way, in all that goes on in our day while still remaining unseen by us. There's a lot that's taking place, even right at this moment. And a reminder for us that in that realm, that hidden, invisible realm, the Lord Jesus lives and reigns. And He controls everything that takes place there and in our visible realm. And it will be, though, from that heavenly realm that the Lord Jesus will bring into final focus these events that we're going to be studying about here today and over the next two or three weeks. And it seems from these scriptures that central, listen, central to the timing of when we will experience those last days, there will be specific signs and events involving His two chosen families. And we can see this all coming into fruition right now. His two chosen families. First, His family, the Jews. And also his special adopted family, us Gentiles. And those who are studying these last days, in particular the eschatologists, they point to after 1,500 years, Israel became a nation again, just in the last 50 years or so. And they are the center of all the controversy in the world. If you had to stop this very day and say, where is the most troubled place in the world? It is right there in the Mideast. This little strip of land, just a little strip of land where Israel is. And then this mammoth spread of nations that are all around them and all of them hating Israel. But all of that is spoken about in these last days. And so one of those particular signs that God will give to us will take place between these two chosen families, his family, the Jews, and us, his family, the Gentiles. Now, we as Gentiles need to be especially concerned about his plan for us. And he's given us specific revelations about us. But listen, you have to read these scriptures to understand them, to even begin to comprehend them. And so, I commend these scriptures to you. If you are not a regular reader of the scriptures you're going to be very surprised when He comes. You're going to be very surprised. You'll not be prepared. One of the indicators that He gives to us, Revelation, as He says, it's verbalized as being the fullness of the Gentiles. Let me read these words. This is Romans 11, beginning in verse 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. This is what I just said to you. You should not be caught by surprise. You should not be wise in your own eyes and say, Oh, he's not coming today or next week. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness or the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Let me read those words to you again. He says to us, A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. 
And in this way all Israel will be saved. These are mysterious words. Understandable only as we would read them and the Holy Spirit would explain them to us. But this is one of the clear signs regarding the end of the age. And these words seem to specifically address the timing of when this rapture that we just spoke about takes place. These words tell us that a partial hardening of Israel took place when Jesus came and began to minister among the people, but they rejected Him. He came to His own, but His own received Him not. Romans 11 verse 8 again. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. As the Jews rejected Jesus coming, God gave them over to this stupor. A spirit of stupor. Eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear. And that continues to this very day. He says that so here in Romans 8. Now thankfully that hardening of the Jewish hearts was not complete. It was called a partial hardening. And it was not permanent. Because at some point God will restore the Jewish people to His family. But from that moment... Their, their hearts had been hardened towards the Lord Jesus. And it was that hardening of the Jewish heart that then opened the door for us Gentiles to come in. That's spoken about all through the book of Romans. From that day forward, from when he hardened the hearts of the Jews, Gentiles have been coming into his kingdom daily. But then listen... According to these words, mysteriously, that open door for us Gentiles will suddenly close. A full number of us Gentiles will have come in. Those ones that God has chosen for His kingdom. And that's when the rapture will take place. And as we are raptured off of this earth, then that will reopen the door for the Jews to be drawn back into His kingdom says, a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness or the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel then will be saved. Now, those words, all Israel will be saved. Does that mean that every Jew that has ever lived will be saved? Most likely not. But we do know that 144,000 of them will be, and probably a lot more. But these particular 144,000 will be drawn by God in to His kingdom. The book of Revelation here is a very special, mysterious book. And it's understood by few, and especially uh, not me. I don't understand much of the book of Revelation, but I do love it. And the Lord has given me some understanding of it. It reveals most everything that's going to take place in these last days. And especially during what God calls the Great Tribulation. There will be tribulation that will lead up to the rapture. You and I will be mistreated. But not like that which will take place in the great tribulation. That's when he's going to bring in his Jewish children. I'd like to read that portion for you. And if you wouldn't mind turning there to Revelation chapter 7, I'd like you to follow along with me. Because I'm going to read the whole chapter. Before I read this though, I want to remind us again that there's so much that's taking place and I want you to try to imagine this because it's hard for us to do it otherwise. There is so much taking place in the invisible realms where the angels and the demons are. But it is 
affecting that which is taking place here on this earth. In both of these realms of existence, in the invisible realm and in our realm here. Listen to this description that John gives of these events. Chapter 7, verse 1. After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Now, what we are is, at this point, we're in the tribulation, the great tribulation. And God is starting to rain His wrath upon the earth. And He's doing that as angels will come and they will exert their mighty power in the various areas. And here we're told that one says to hold back the winds. Verse 2, Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. This is when God is going to start bringing these special Israelites into His kingdom. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from Naphtali, 12,000 from Manasseh, 12,000 from Simeon, 12,000 from Levi, 12,000 from, from Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. God didn't always get this specific, but here He wanted us to understand what was taking place. And so, here's 144,000 Jews. And then verse 9, listen. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with loud voices, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now did you notice a difference in who these people are? A great multitude from every nation, and when the word nation is used, that's us Gentiles. From every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages. So these are primarily Gentiles. Verse 11, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. By the way, I love this kind of language. What do we see right now in the civility being demonstrated on the streets of America to someone who is in authority, this new one who's been elected? They have nothing but vile spewings from their mouth. But what takes place in heaven? This is what God wants us to be doing. And this is, and especially about Him. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. That's what we need to be saying to God right now. And if we'll say that to Him, we'll be a lot more civil to those people here on the earth.
Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in the white robes? And from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Now in the earlier message, I mentioned that there was a very good reason for the terrible days of the Great Tribulation. And this is it. This is it. After the rapture takes place, and all the believers are taken off of the earth, God will provide one more opportunity for those who have rejected Him. So at the moment of the rapture, everyone who has Christ as their Savior is taken off of the earth. But there's going to be a whole multitude that's saved during the tribulation. That's what God's talking about here. He's going to give one more opportunity, and it's going to be a great multitude. So for those who have rejected Him in this life, they will have one more opportunity. And He says that in... Our text that I read today, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And He says also, Regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Folks, this is the ever-patient and loving God, not wishing that any of us should perish, but would come to repentance. Now, unfortunately, again, as I said a moment ago, those who rejected Christ during this life and are left behind at the rapture, that repentance and their salvation then during the tribulation will come at the severest of prices. With you and me, it is now relatively easy. We can simply surrender our hearts to Christ and we get to go in the rapture. But for them, they are going to suffer the wrath of God. Suffering beyond anything we could ever imagine. But then again, the promises here. You can see the words, a great multitude are gathered around the throne. And they will come in during that great tribulation. I've run out of time. Praise the Lord for His love and mercy that He's going to show during those days. We'll close for now and I'll hope to continue next week. But listen, these are words of promise, but also words of warning. God puts them side by side. Let me read them for you again. Matthew 24, verse 40. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken. The other one left behind. A promise and a rejection. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Which one will you be? Will you be the one who is taken to be with Christ in heaven? Or will you be left behind? It's all determined by one thing. Did you give your life to Christ during this life? Let's pray.